Lucy. Great. <sighs> Off to a great start. Off to a great start. That was our intro. <laughs> we nailed it. So it's 20... It's 2020. 2020. 2020. How many times have you seen that meme today? Uh, not enough. 20, 20 times. As in <laughs> 2020 <laughs> times. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. No, it doesn't get old. I watched it so many times today and laughed. And then I saw people trying to do it themselves. And you're like, no. D- guys, save it. Just... You're Wait not. for the next decade. Nobody is Babs. Nobody <laughs> no. is her. But it is 2020 now. It's a new year. And I am a particularly nostalgic, sentimental person. And for me, it started with a new year. Yeah. It was New Year's of 96 going into 97. But you're saying that's when you felt like you became nostalgic or you were aware of your nostalgia? It was when I first became aware of okay, it. Okay, interesting. And that means that I was 10 yeah that's very young I was 10 years old and what it was was it was my first year living in Key West and I was with all these friends but I was missing my old friends back home Mm -hmm. and I was um doing it was a big like Cuban New Year's situation and I remember like looking all these friends and liking them and loving them whatever but also just missing my friends back home and especially my like childhood boyfriend I was just gonna ask was there a special somebody oh totally there was and I was really missing him and um it was the first year, though, that I was like, oh, the new year means that whatever was before is no longer. Oh. Which is a very, like, I think, uh, haughty, profound kind of thought for a child. No, I um, think it's amazing. But I've had it since then. So, like, that's the beginning, I think, of my, um, nostalgia. my nostalgia for dates, especially, too. Oh, interesting. I think it started then. Okay. And this is one of the first years I haven't had it. Really? Yeah. Why do you think that is? Because I've been trying not to have it. <laughs> I've been working really hard on like not memorizing dates, which was um, involuntary, but it can be voluntary to try not to. Okay, well, I count on you for remembering everything. So if you stop, it's a problem. It is a problem, but I've been trying not to. And this year, I I just felt kind of like, yeah, it's a new year and I feel very nostalgic about it. It was very nice. Yeah. How are you feeling in your new year? I mean, I spent New Year's Eve um, with a headache, so it's all good. I was by myself. (laughs) I saw myself fell asleep watching some new Netflix series I stumbled upon called like Glam Up or some oh. or Glow Up Glow Up. I feel like it was called Glow Up. That sounds right. I actually feel like you might be interested in it. I it's think like I know what you're it's like about. America's Next Top Model meets like makeup artist. Makeup. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was it was very entertaining. But cool. um I'm feeling good. Like it's I don't know if it's like birthdays or something, but the older you get I think it, I mean, it always feels significant because I'm like, okay, now I'm going to do the thing or lose the weight or whatever. But I mean, it's nice to have like a sort of do over or like a new start and yeah, but it also feels to me like less and less like a big deal the older I get kind of like birthdays where you're just like, oh, like 33, you're like, cool and nothing birthday doesn't, that's kind of how it feels. It's like, I want to be like everybody who's super excited about the new year. I want to like get in on that energy but right. I also don't feel right cr- like I'm also like oh it's like a what is today Wednesday Wednesday it's like a Wednesday like it doesn't feel significant yeah Wednesdays are losers yeah but also <laughs> 2019 to be like 
I mean, I guess kind of honest and like vulnerable. It, it was a tough year. Right. It was a tough year. So for both, for I mean, it was also a very growing, like there was a lot of growth in many areas, career and like relationship, but it was a tough year. I, I mean, I see all these memes and I, I, sometimes they make me mad where I'm just like, everyone's like, well, this year sucks. And I'm like, every year everybody says the same shit where you're just yeah. like, 2018 sucked or 2016 was the worst and now Mm. it's like 2019 it'll be different 2020 is also gonna probably suck for people but so I get that but I'm yeah I'm excited I'm excited about the podcast I'm excited about lots of new things coming up for this year yeah it's like I feel like 2020 is gonna be like my year of the passion projects yes um that hopefully becomes something more but also the thing about a passion project is you start things with like gusto and I just want to be the kind of person who continues it whether or not um, I'm feeling it. Does that yes. make sense? Oh, because you're going so to feel it. I'm going to show up at your doorstep oh, yeah. and I'm going to be like, <laughs> we're podcasting. We're, hey, bitch. I don't care what you think or feel. Yeah. It's happening. Yeah, but I don't even mean, but you know what I mean? <laughs> no, not totally. even this, yeah, but yeah, like yeah. this also. Everything. I have several things where I'm the kind of person, I'm more of like a um, somebody who helps other people with their dreams and passion projects and things like that and I also would say on some level I don't have a lot of dreams but lately I've had more things where I'm like no there are things I love to do and one of them is talking to you (laughs) so anyway I guess the thing is this is the year that I just like want to get things done yes and like mean it totally and like keep it going I think that's keep it going exactly whether you're feeling it or not I think that's a big thing for me too is like I'm somebody who gets very excited about lots of things and have tried umpteen number of different careers and different things because I don't know well you're fearless I I, I love that about you thank you I'm like what is it about myself that I don't know why I was made this way but it's I've embraced it in my late 20s early 30s and I think for me this year what is most important to me is finishing something I start so Mm. like for me it's like with the podcast not finishing but continuing so it's not giving up on anything and I mean when it comes to as cliche as it is like health like just being consistent it's not I'm not looking for this transformation I'm just looking for consistency and yeah yeah and like discipline I hear you so discipline discipline is a that's a good word discipline is one of my words this year yeah (laughs) discipline identity is a big word for me this year which maybe we'll talk about that at some point but um I was on HuffPost HuffPost, yes. Huffington Post, yes, as it were. And they put out a list of 20 ways to be a happier person in 2020 according to therapists. Okay. So we're not going to go through the whole 20, but you and I have both looked at this list. Yeah, yeah. And there are some great things in here. Some of them are trite. Um, you know, they're obvious and like, guys, we know, drink more water. But some of them are Amen. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Number one on this entire list is conquer one anxiety. And I think that's interesting. Just one. Like, don't focus on all of our anxieties. And you know what it makes you do, too, is I think as somebody who struggles with... I didn't even know I struggled with anxiety until I got diagnosed with depression and they, whatever, give you, like, a label. And it was generalized anxiety disorder, Mm. which is a cousin to depression. And that's part of it, but that's the one that gets you the medication. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... Anyway, I think that when you're dealing with anxiety, you're just so overwhelmed with so many different things. Yeah. And I like this idea of conquering just one, like figuring out what it is. And it makes you pinpoint 
Yeah, I think that's super important with you're that. You're dealing with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think for me, if I'm going to conquer one anxiety this year, mm-hmm. I think for me it's going to be I'm moving into a slightly it's on a different role, but an additional role with my job mm-hmm. where I'm going to be in charge of negotiations. Yeah. And everything about that gives me anxiety. Yeah. I equate negotiating with selling. Yes. And selling gives you the heebie-jeebies. I would rather die. Yes. Than sell anything. Yeah. So I think my anxiety is, uh, what I want to focus on is letting go of the fear of negotiating. Mm-hmm. It's something everybody does in the entire world. We do it every day, whether we're aware of it or not. And just not being afraid, and especially something I think it's going to help me, is doing it for someone else and not for myself. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's significant. Huge. Yeah. I think for me, going into this year, I'll just stick with kind of like what you went with in terms of talking about one anxiety to overcome. And I think for me, I'm in a position at work um, where I've kind of entered into a new actual like label position. So my title but I'm in a place where like I'm ready to sort of move up financially and like make more money and and that just requires putting myself out there a little bit more and I'm I can talk a big talk I can try to motivate people to do things but then when it comes to myself it's it's funny it's like I'm willing to take on and try a bunch of different risks but certain things I still find myself like not valuing myself enough and Mm -hmm. so I think this year it's getting over that hump and like I guess the anxiety of like the unknown of Mm -hmm. what they might look like so getting out of your comfort zone yeah I'm I I preach it a lot to other people and I I feel like I do it but it's like at my own pace but then at some times I just have to do it when it's uncomfortable and that's so what you're saying is you get out of your comfort zone at your own comfort (laughs) that is very true right so I need to preach to myself so yeah it's quite good (laughs) (laughs) but you know what 2020 okay so any new year a huge part of it is always new year new you like yeah I don't need another email in my (laughs) inbox with that subject line let's go ahead and retire it yeah it's a given that that is something that we focus on and you know especially for women we're so body consumed and that's um I think a huge conversation and something we should talk about this week I agree it's something that I don't think we talk about enough especially as women And this conversation today is not just for women I want to say that totally I agree it's for boys men however you identify but I also think, especially because this is something, and I haven't even said what we're talking about, we're talking about when the hell did you become aware of your body? Yes. Um, that is our our focus for the today. The big question. That is the big question. Um, but I think also for men and boys and brothers and fathers and sons and men dating mm-hmm. um, and husbands, especially husbands, I think it's important to understand a woman's perspective and a girl's perspective on how we perceive our bodies and are taught to perceive our bodies from a young age. I I just want to keep saying preach, but it's like, <laughs> damn, yeah, you know? I agree, I agree. Like, I think if men, like, and I'm talking again in this situation from a hetero perspective, yeah, which yeah. is clearly not the only one, but the whole... But it's our, and, it's like our, our experience. Our experience, yeah, yeah. yeah. From a hetero perspective, um, men not understanding necessarily why they're women, if they're in a relationship with one, uh, may or may not 
love their body or speak highly of their body or Mm -hmm. talk about their body at all or like to be touched in certain ways and all these different things and where does that stem from what does it come from yeah so yes all that said all that said (laughs) do you have a story about I do like what like when you were first aware of your body I definitely do so well before I even get into that okay, go the answer it. is yes um I wanted to like read some stuff about no yes this. I want to hear all, all the facts yes I, I'm going to give you like three facts okay so not all of them all okay but the most important facts a few a few <laughs> a few important facts um so I was reading um and it said let's see the study from 2016 of people ages 13 to 64 um in that age group on average most americans reported first feeling shame about their bodies between the ages of 13 and 14 and i thought that was surprising i, I was feel definitely like that younger seems yeah i was going to say that seems yeah. kind of old i think so too and i think the results were probably skewed because they interviewed people from 13 to 64 yeah. and that's like four generations of yeah. people. Yeah, so people at 64, I mean, not that you don't remember being 13, but it's it's a different world back then. It was just too. a different world. I think that's yeah. huge. I don't think, like, coming of age and all these different things, like, yeah, people may have gotten married way younger, but they weren't necessarily developing as quickly, yeah. literally, yeah. physically, and all these different things. But a different survey, an earlier survey of teens just 13 to 17 years old, um, those people reported that they were between the ages of 9 and 10 when they first became aware of their body. And that is exactly the age that I yeah, was. Yeah, that seems way more accurate. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I was yeah. between the ages of 9 and 10. I was probably 10. The study said only one in four people said that their parents contributed to this feeling. And the rest of um, this study said that mostly media images or a peer made mm. them aware of their body for the first time. Okay. And what's really interesting, though, is that these people mostly equated their first... Um, time being aware of their body as the first time they felt shame about their body interesting it's not like they became like their aware. first memory is shame yes oh. their first like oh whew, uh, which yeah. is very biblical like how yeah, Adam no, it is. is that like yeah. oh you have a body let's hide it yeah and i it, from these studies that seems to be That's so interesting the commonality yeah is the first time you notice that you're ashamed of it yeah yeah that's that's very interesting it's it's sad it is sad it's upsetting I I mean it's both comforting in the sense that like Uh oh more people like more people feel that way than I realized if that's like a study that is across the board um but yeah Yeah. it is sad like you know it's true for all of us yeah which is helpful but it's also like how do we change that tide and I do not know the answer to that but um, I definitely remember my story. I can tell it to I you I would love right to hear now. it. Like, tell us. So I was living in Key West. I w- lived in Key West from the ages of about, like, nine until I was about 12. And it is a bikini town. Yeah. <laughs> you live on the water. You go to the beach. You go to the pool. It's hot, whatever. And I was not allowed to wear two pieces. I'm a pastor's daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, modesty is, like, of the utmost importance. And I was always told that, that I was never allowed to wear a two-piece. So I was with one of, I had two best friends in Key West and I was with um, one of their moms and my two friends and we were in a store and they had this one bathing suit in three different um, cuts, but the same print. Okay. And we were, they called us the three musketeers. We were always the three of us together. Mm-hmm. So she wanted to buy us this, th- this bathing suit in three different cuts, but the same print. So we'd all match and be so yeah. cute. And she um, held it up and she's like, oh, this is so cute, whatever. And I knew I wasn't going to be allowed to wear it because they were all two pieces. How old were you? I would have been nine or ten. Probably okay, ten. Okay. Most likely ten. Okay. So I said I'm not going to be allowed to. And she called my mom 
at work and my mom allowed it like this one time and it was only because of like the communal situation Mm -hmm. of it and somebody was trying to buy me a gift and whatever so she let me do it but she had that friend's mom buy me the most modest of them all so it was like a tankini situation oh my gosh I have like (laughs) I actually have the I have the same the same story I do similar but yes continue it was a tankini with boy shorts Okay. So like you couldn't be more like it was more covering than a one piece bathing yeah, suit because yeah. you can't see your butt or anything. I was going to say mine is a tankini story, but yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I got the bathing suit. I was so excited. I just felt I was just like, oh, this is the most exciting thing that could happen. Like I'm allowed to have something that I normally wouldn't be able to. And what that meant for me wasn't like, oh, I want to show my body. I was 10 years no. old. It was I'm included. Yes. I'm getting to do totally. what the other girls are getting to do. So I wore the bathing suit. We went to um, Fort Zachary, which is this Fort Beach in Key West. And we had like a big picnic day. And um, it's really it's kind of interesting because this group of friends that I was in the Three Musketeers, one of us was real thin not me (laughs) one of us was extremely average me and the other one of us was on like the plumper side for our age group yeah and which is very normal because we're coming literally out of toddlerhood and whatever so it was just funny because none of us were shaped the same yeah not one of us we were not the same and I was sitting with my friend in our matching little outfits I'm making this long-winded no, I want, I'm very interested. <laughs> but I, I was sitting with her and she was real thin and we were sitting there and I remember we were all just kind of slouching because you're kids and you're cold and you've been in the beach and you're sitting there, whatever. And this is insane, but I remember it. her midsection, she was wearing the full bikini of us all, mm-hmm. was like little pencils. Her, like when she hunched. Yeah. And mine was just one big roll. One big roll. <laughs> okay. And I remember looking at her and noticing that and like pulling my top down. Wow. And that's my story. That's very, that's a very, yeah, it's very specific for having a memory like that. So specific because it started with, I'm not allowed to wear this. I'm getting to wear this. Now I'm wearing this, but I feel like someone else is wearing it better. (laughs) Isn't that horrible? Yeah, but at nine or 10, that's 10 years old. And just being like, I remember literally she was sitting on her dad's knee and I was sitting on like my dad's knee Yeah. and looking and looking and seeing and going, wait, I don't have these little like pencil rolls, yeah, like the, you know, like rolls. the little three, yeah, four or yeah. whatever, because she's so tiny. I had one big one comparatively. Yeah. yeah. I weighed nothing. No, I know. And you were tiny at that time. But yeah. in my head at yeah. 10 years old, I immediately was aware of my body and instantly was ashamed of it and pulled my top down. And I was almost grateful for, to my mom for never letting me wear a two piece. Why do you feel like you were, that was your reaction? Do you think that was like how you were raised or like it was just like a, I don't know, like media or like your your reaction? Like, why do you feel like that was your reaction? I don't. I mean, it's a long time ago. Yeah, but. I don't, I don't know. I, I think I had just never shown my body. So I never looked down and seen my body compared to someone else. That was your first time in a wearing something. Okay, okay. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, it was barely a two-piece. It was a tankini. Yeah, yeah. But the fact that I had never had something to compare because I mm-hmm. never wore something like that. And here's the thing about it is, this is not me saying, make your kid wear a one-piece. In fact, if anything, I wish that my parents had been letting me wear a two-piece since I was a baby. So it because a I never would have had this as a thing, yeah. I don't oh, think. It's, I had the same, yeah, I had yeah. the same thing. Like, I don't have a, rea- so I don't have a story as young as that, like, I have a very similar story, but it was a little bit older. It yeah. was, I was, um, when my parents came back, so when we were missionaries, we came back um, for a year when I was in junior high. 
and for like it's a long story but basically towards the end of uh, my eighth grade year my parents actually we were heading back to South Africa and I was actually wanting to finish up eighth grade and go on this mission trip and so but they needed to get back there at a certain time so I ended up staying with some friends for like two months almost two months and finishing eighth grade so during that time I mean I was 13 turning 14 and during this time one of my best friends it was a similar thing I went to her house and her sister took us shopping and bought us matching uh swimsuits bought us matching swimsuits but mine was a tankini not with not with the shorts but uh, just a tankini and it was like if you're standing right it it looks like a one piece and then like oh you lift your arms up a little bit and it's a bikini or whatever like oh my gosh (laughs) um and so I that was the first like dip my toe in it and then in the same time so I was still 13 the same friend I think, it, I don't know if it's the same shopping trip. She also bought me my first spaghetti strap shirt. Ooh. And I also wore that shirt, which is funny because <laughs> I was not a rebellious kid at all. Not really. Uh, I wore that shirt on my, um, I traveled back to South Africa by myself on a on the flight. Like, so I flew from uh, Florida to South Africa, like, by myself. And I wore that spaghetti strap shirt so when my parents picked me up I had the spaghetti I can still remember what it looked like it was like this blue and white like uh striped shirt so 90s and Brooke my sister will tell you that she remembers picking me up and being like (gasps) she's wearing a spaghetti strap shirt oh my gosh I remember the moment I can still see it I can still see arriving at our house and unpacking my like duffel bag and my mom finding the tankini and just kind of being like oh okay and then in in that moment going like okay so I'm never gonna wear this did she say something no that's not really my family's way but um it's the silent disappointment yeah 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 so it was kind of like oh oh I I see this okay cool and then me going like oh oh, okay okay I won't do that again okay yeah but was that the first time though that you became like aware of your body I don't know. Like, aware of my body. Okay, so when we talk about being aware of our body, are we... Like, what do you mean by that? I mean, knowing that your body is noticed by other people. Where it's like, you know, you may notice other people's bodies, but then it's like, oh, people can also notice mine is what that means. I feel like I was very... I was much older than probably what is normal of of noticing that other people notice me. Mm-hmm. I definitely noticed other people right earlier. Totally. Um, but I don't think I realized other people noticing me until, yeah, a little older than nine, ten. I feel like I was in junior high. Good for you. But but <laughs> it's great. A, but it's like a but I mean this kind of like we were talking or I was talking to Curtis a little bit about what we were going to talk about tonight and. I think a big reason, not a, not the main reason, but I think a big reason why maybe that was is from the moment we moved to South Africa until high school, we wore uniforms like the entire time. And so there's, I think there's a part of, um, like even when I think about my daughter now, we're like from her age, we were all wearing the same thing at school. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's times where maybe you would have expressed yourself in a way where maybe I would have noticed it more and it just... That didn't happen because we were yeah wearing uniforms. So yeah. We all look the same in a way. Yeah, 
But what I mean, you what is your memory of that? You remember being aware of your body from that moment that you talked about with the bathing suit, mm-hmm. but then like thinking about your body, was this something that you become aware of and then you just always were aware of this or was this like a shameful thing or what did that look like for you to become aware of your body yeah well I don't know that I remember exactly how it was in the like days and weeks later I yeah, mean, it's yeah. A long time, but I you know it was clear in that moment that like I pulled my bathing suit down because I realized in that moment other people can perceive me like perceive you as what? Like in that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, my friend, my little friend, you know, um, like she's so tiny. And when they look at me, they might think that I'm not so tiny. Okay. And that I in some way valued tininess. Tiny. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, yeah, I don't even, well, I do know where that came from. You know, growing up in my house, my mom had four children and we were her focus and, you know, being a pastor's wife and all those things. And um, there was a time when I was a small kid when she was really into this brand called Shackley. Do you know Shackley? Shackley? I don't. I, I There's a part of me that feels like it's vaguely familiar. Yeah. So well, maybe. Very popular. And it's it, it's like an original MLM. So it's like um, it was vitamins, but it was also beauty products like Mary Kay kind of stuff. So they would do the whole winter, spring, summer, fall thing Mm -hmm. with whatever your skin palette is. Yeah. Um, And my mom was very into it. She like sold the stuff for a while and whatever. But um, during that time that she was very into the Shackley stuff, she was really focusing on like her health and things like that. But I remember very vividly she had this like vision board kind of thing hanging on the back of our stairwell coming down the stairs. We had like a door to the stairwell. It's very an 80s house, Mm -hmm. you know. And on that door was her vision board. And she had a woman in a business suit cut out from like a magazine. And it was like a pencil skirt with like a business jacket as modest as she can get. This one was probably wearing like pantyhose like from little eggs remember the little <laughs> egg pantyhose oh I feel like I go look for those eggs Hilarious. a couple times where I'm like I like actually for your party yeah. not to segue but I was like <laughs> this dress I'm like I need I oh that's a whole other topic you I need felt hose? like I felt like the dress was too short for me which no. is a whole we're, we need to get back to your topic but, but yes but yes when I actually went to look for actual hose or tights or whatever the yeah. supposed to call them. I like my gut is to look for the eggs. I'm like, where are the little eggs? Where's the little like line with the eggs? What the year is this? That's funny. <laughs> but yeah, because they were weren't they called legs with two G's? Oh, legs, legs 100%. with two G's, but yep. in an egg, like uh-huh. an Easter egg. In an egg. So funny. So my mom though had this picture of this woman cut out from a magazine in her very modest business pencil skirt business suit. And um, cut out on, on this vision board with her, he- my a picture of my mom's head on this woman's body. Uh, wait, like, but my you mom- would walk, you would see this? Mm-hmm. This wasn't like a private thing of hers. No, so it was on our stairwell. That's very, that's interesting. very interesting. Yeah, so you know what? it was you for her. You have told me the story before and I feel like not until this moment did I actually visualize. The gravitas of that for a that child. That put her face on the person. On a magazine cut out body. Yeah. Wow. I remember just being a child and thinking to myself in the most rudimentary of ways, my mom doesn't want to be in her own body. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. She wanted a different body. Yeah. And she like was working towards that. But I think it was probably, who knows, but probably this whole kind of new year, new you thing. And yeah. Envisioning and whatever, manifesting and all this stuff. But as a little girl, 
seeing that and going, oh, my mom doesn't want to be in her own body. I think it made me grow up and on some level think to myself, oh, I probably shouldn't be in mine either. No, it makes sense. Which, and I'm not placing blame. It's just what you see is an example. Yeah. I mean, you can't help but take that in. That's just, I mean, I think about that all the time with my kids too. I mean, I had a very similar, I like, I didn't, I didn't experience the bored thing, but I feel like diet was just a part of life. Mm -hmm. Like they, there was always something, there was always like, I don't, I don't equate my childhood and then like thinking about weight or my parents and their bodies being something that was satisfactory Mm -hmm. ever. Um, Yeah. So I, but at the same time, like I was aware of it and I think I was, so I was not a very rebellious child, but I feel like my one. Speak for yourself. (laughs) I feel like my one rebellion, it's, it's not rebellious, but it's like, I mean you know when my family was on like a diet when I was in high school I'd be like well give me three times the amount of everything that everybody is eating that was mm. my rebellion and I was like tiny thin at the time and I think my gut reaction was just like ugh, I don't I don't buy into this but like mm-hmm. at the same time I was very aware of it did you guys talk about this stuff in your family like in my family it was very like take your vitamins there was this one vitamin again from Shackley that tasted like butt it was disgusting (laughs) all of my siblings don't know what it is it was called (laughs) speaking of which is horrible ready for this if anybody knows what her blacks is hit me up her blacks her blacks it was 100 percent a laxative just shit yourself girl it tasted like (laughs) crap and it that was the point of it was to help you do that oh my god <laughs> horrible so we would like hide it and it was like a joke in the family like you're gonna we're gonna put her blacks in your food it was oh, like a really? whole thing mm-hmm. and yeah. um so things like that it was like you gotta take your vitamins and we would end up throwing them away and pretending putting it on the table and all different things yeah but, um exercise and like eating in moderation and like eating well was not a focus in my family That's what we, so, it was eating at all like you okay, gotta eat but okay. it wasn't we didn't I don't know if this was like a because of being in South Africa thing like my mom never as far as I remember never went on any kind of like specific program like that and I don't know if it was like an accessibility thing or just it was always like a it was more of like a diet plan like oh we're doing Atkins or oh mm. we're doing what fill in and the it blank. was ascribed to the whole family um not necessarily I would say that it was no, because I, I, I can't say that my mom would put us all on it. I would say she tried to make it like it was her thing slash my dad's thing. And so what she would do is like still – she would still make stuff. Like I have memories of – like for example, she'd make chicken and mashed potatoes and a salad and maybe like a fruit salad. And, you know, she would eat the chicken and the salad. And then my dad was expected to eat the chicken and the salad. And he would eat the chicken and the salad and the mashed potatoes and the fruit salad. And, you know, and that's different. I can't speak for everybody, but like I would eat all the food because it would make me mad that I was like there was this underlying nobody's going to say it out loud, but this underlying expectation that we should eat the way that like she wanted us to eat, but she was still going to provide us with other options. Or maybe that's just how I feel about it now is like I remember thinking and I think about it now with my kids is like she would pick to only eat certain things. So then there was this part of me that was like, am I only supposed to eat that? But you're serving Mm -hmm. me these other things. 
But she wouldn't, I don't remember her telling me, like, don't eat that. So I don't, right. it was all very subliminal. Sure. And that would have been really confusing if she made it for you and then told you not to eat it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I I don't know. As soon as I real I felt restricted in any way, I would. Uh, you like rebel against that. A hundred percent. Yeah. I get yeah. that. I get that. So, and at the time I had such a great metabolism that it didn't matter. Oh, <laughs> so it was fine. Days. I mean, that's not how it is now. But Well, what is it like? I mean, you're raising kids now. So do you, well, first off, do you think, you know, your kids are eight and six, mm-hmm. almost nine and seven now? Yeah crazy but do you um think that they've become aware of their bodies yet at all I guess so with this question not to just bounce it right back but like what do you mean by become aware of like have you ever you know well I, it, this I feel like there's like a else sexual too. side to it there and is. there's a like pure physical side to it totally I think it's both so I think part of it is you know a lot of parents and like we should be teaching our kids this but it's like your body is your own yeah and like it's not to be shared with other people so there's like this privacy thing yeah that's taught from a really young age or your body is a temple yes <laughs> which is yes. a whole other thing I don't like what the hell does that oh even my mean God, I never... mean that is a it's on my list of things to bring up but it's like yeah like, what the hell does that even mean? Well, Your I body think, is a temple. Well, I think the idea, like, in the Christian's perspective perspective is that God literally dwells in your body. It's, you know? It's very confusing. Because, so keep them right at home. Yeah. We can get into that in a minute, <laughs> but, like, I... But yeah, so I like, have, you up, but yeah. I, I, I completely agree. Do you think your kids, though, have crossed over from my body is, like, private and my own to that next thing of, like, being perceived by other people I think you had mentioned something a while ago where like one of the kids is going to change and they're like I'm gonna shut the door or something yeah, like that yeah I so I do feel like I think that both kids have gone through stages so it's interesting like so Beckett is my youngest he's gonna be seven and he is definitely the one that's naturally more private hmm. um whereas Nadia my older one she is more just like open and like, for example, but I also grew up with a, I don't know if my parents are going to care that I'm sharing this. It's fine, whatever. But, like, <laughs> something I do love, if we're going to complain here and there about, not complain, but, like, vent about our childhood and understand it. But something about my mom is, like, on the one hand, we were very private. But, like, I grew up with us all just, like, changing in front of each other. And it was not a big thing. And it mm-hmm. was just, like, still to this day, it wouldn't be weird if she just, like, change in front of me. And Nadia is kind of like that, where she's, like, I think if you don't make it a thing... She's like, oh, cool. This is not a thing. Yeah. Whereas Beckett, like, I've never said anything to him, in my opinion, to make him feel, I don't think I've made him feel uncomfortable or, like, we've never made it a thing, like, oh, you need to go change somewhere else or whatever. And yeah. he just naturally at some point, you know, after, like, potty training and stuff where he would just, I feel like it came not long after potty training where he was like, I just want some space and I totally understand that. And so, and it wasn't, I think even in this last year, it was like, I realized when I was checking on him in a bath or something and I'd be like, are you, hey, are you done? And I was knocking, I'm like, hey, are you done? And you'd be like, hey, hey I'm, I'm still changing. And it was like, we've never talked yeah. about that. That's never been a thing. But you're all like, of a you're sudden. You're six. Yeah. But all of a sudden <laughs> he was like, no, I need my space. So for him, I, I it's been interesting because like, you know, I'm a girl, so I don't understand all the boy stuff and trying to ask Curtis, my husband, about those kind of things. But uh, it's been interesting to watch kids just sort of realize and like, I feel like explore does sound sexual, but sort of like start to learn and understand their bodies and try to not make it a sexual thing. Because I feel like growing up, 
everything maybe they didn't even intentionally intentionally make it this way was sexual it was like oh you're always just trying to keep yourself pure so that like you don't do something that's going to cause you to sin and watching the kids without that perspective is is like oh they just do these things and try to understand like oh I have a penis or oh I have a vagina and like oh this makes me feel good or oh that doesn't make me whatever and because the way we were we were raised the way we were raised (laughs) uh you're supposed to feel a certain way so I'm on a long tangent here no I'm Um, with you on this no but it's like I I don't know I and I don't even have like something I'm following I'm just kind of like playing it a little bit by ear and trying to figure out what feels right and what doesn't feel right and trying to just make it as or it sounds so like whatever but so like kind of organic as possible and yeah I think my biggest parenting mantra is like Let's not make everything a thing. I like that. You know, it's just like, for example, okay, so we would just went to this tiki party the other night, and Nadia, um, like, I don't really have, I wear a lot of black or monochromatic <laughs> colors, so I didn't really have anything to wear, but we didn't, we just told the, the kids we're going to this tiki Christmas party thing, and they were coming. So Nadia comes out, again, this is my almost nine-year-old and girl, and... um. She has this top that's from, it's like, it's been in her closet for a couple years now. And at the time when I bought it for her, it's like, it is meant to be this sort of like, sort of midriff and it's like off the cuff, but it's long. So it's got these like long sleeves and it shows your shoulders, but like it's short. So it's like kind of the crop top sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But when we bought it years ago, it was like a barely could qualify as a crop top. Anyways, I didn't even know we still had it. She comes out with this orange crop top, very cute, and then these, like, purple jeans and this choker I got her for Christmas, and... And now it's a real crop top. And now it's, like, a real crop top, so, like, all the belly showing, and I'm not gonna lie, like, the first thing in my mind didn't come out of my mouth, but I'm, like, I still have that stuff ingrained in me from being a kid and being, like, so concerned with showing, like, any skin whatsoever because it was just, like, ingrained in me, and so I see her come out, and, like, I mean, my initial reaction was just, like, you look beautiful, oh my gosh, I love your outfit you picked out, but it's, like, I had to run through many things in my head going, other people might think this is inappropriate. Yeah. Given her age or whatever. But I'm like, I just feel like if we don't make it a thing, and I think it'd be different if, if it was like, oh, I, she wants to wear underwear and, like, shoes. Like, no, she's nine. I'm not going to let her yeah. wear no clothes. But, like, she's wearing but clothes. Age, like, at what age would it become appropriate? It's not going to become more appropriate as no. she gets older. So, like, let her be a kid as long as she's going to be yeah. a kid. And that's where I'm like, if she thinks she looks feels good and looks good, like... I'm not going to, I would, I could never imagine being like, oh, you need, you know what, you need to go put on more clothes or something. Unless it was something that was just like, I, I don't even know. Just like blatantly ridiculous. Just like, yeah. And like, but I can't imagine like, she would think that. Yeah. She's not self-conscious about her tummy. So yeah. like, why should anyone else be? Exactly. And you're a nine-year-old and we're not going to sexualize nine-year-olds. No, no. You know what I mean? It's like, yes, you do have to be conscious of the people you're going to be around if you don't know the people you're going to be around. Because what if you're around creeps and you don't know? Yeah. But at the same time, you're going to a trusted place with trusted people. Yeah. And your child is still a child and you're letting it be yeah. a child. But also, like, even what you just said, like, what if you're around creeps? Like, I, there's this part of me that is just like, I don't feel, maybe this is bad, 
But I just don't feel like that's my, I don't feel like that's our responsibility as people to be com- constantly concerned about everybody around us and their issues about like what no, they totally can't, can't handle. I, I think that's totally true. And I think yeah. that's part of my raising too is don't tempt anyone. Oh if they're a gosh. creep in some way or whatever, it's like your whole don't thing cause is. cause them to lust. Exactly. You be modest because what they're going to do yeah. is going to cause them to sin. Yeah. Like your problems are not my problems. I totally hear you on that. I think it's more, I think if anything about like protecting the kid. Totally. Obviously. Yes. But yes. like I hear you. That's part of my childhood. Yes. Don't cause another man to stumble. Well, guess what pedophiles? You can stumble right into the pits of hell. Yes. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. What's frustrating is. The fact that we're even having to have this conversation, like it's not something that seems to be an issue. And yes, we are generalizing. I'm not saying men don't have any self-image issues or anything like that. But like from our upbringing, this was something that it's like the norm, the standard of don't cause men to lust after your bodies or whatever, fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. But I mean, what do you feel like when you think about thinking of your body or becoming aware of your body as we're talking about you associate you know what do you, we talk about shame and like those words and like what like what does that mean for you and what do you feel like is different as a woman versus a man growing up well well what's funny about what you just said is that i think my first bout with shame with noticing and being aware of my body was that i thought oh it might not be desirable Oh. As a 10-year-old. That's crazy. As but a 10-year-old. Because I looked at my friend and go, oh, she's so tiny and perfect. She doesn't have rolls. Mm. And I was like, oh, that must mean that mine's not good enough or mm. whatever. It might not be desirable. Even though I don't know what desirable meant in that context. Yeah, it was not so sexual at yeah. all. But it was just meant like maybe not good enough. Like uh, um, maybe it meant that I don't have some type of self-control she might have or something like okay. that. Um, and I was extremely, once again, extremely normal. Yeah. In no way, shape, or form, overweight, underweight, anything. If anything, and this is not body shaming, but if anything, looking back as an adult now looking, she was probably underweight and you were by, like, no, yeah. by no fault of her own either. That's yeah. her makeup and her genetics and everything else. But she probably was. She was so tiny. Yeah. But I, I do think it's extremely different for boys and girls. And even before we recorded today, Josh asked me, my boyfriend what the hell is the topic tonight? <laughs> Cheese ball, love it. And I told him, and he was like, "What do you mean?" Like I just said, like the title. Oh my gosh! That's and I had so to delve interesting. into it. I had to I explain need... what I meant, and he was like, You're "Like good for oh. you." Yeah, I was like, "Oh, it's, see, it's not a thing." And I said, "It's not a thing for men," and it it is. And something that's interesting about this is, I told him in explaining it, I said I actually found an article today when I was researching about what we we're going to talk about about how in the um tens i guess or the aughts which is like 2000 through 2010 okay um the uprise of superhero movies actually caused uh a noticeable difference in young boys being aware of their bodies interesting because they were looking at superhero comic book superhero movies and all these different things and it was huge during that it still is but it was so huge then you know the iron man's and the spider-man and Mm -hmm. batman and all these different things and thinking they it's the beginning of idols for them versus like what we've had forever we grew up with like supermodels but they're growing up with superheroes and they were also not just looking at the things the superheroes did they were looking at the superheroes bodies yeah saying i need to be muscular and strong and tall and have a full head of hair yeah (laughs) and you know all these different things and i was like oh that's really interesting because 
like Josh's generation, he's 36, grew up with like athletes. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing to look at. But an athlete on some level is attainable on some level. Yeah. It's a and little, a superhero. Yes. Unattainable. Yeah. Unattainable. Yeah. Unattainable. And but I thought that was interesting. I mean, maybe this is terrible, but it's like, I feel like I was talking to Curtis, my husband, about this topic before we came over. And I realized, I mean, we've been together a very long time, been married 13 years, been together almost 18. And wow. I know. Wow. It's crazy. Um, and I realized I was like, I, I think just the specific topics and questions I knew we were going to talk about. I'm like, I pulled him into the room and I was like, just close the door for him and I want to ask a couple questions about the kids because I was kind of curious if my thoughts of what I might want to talk about were similar to him and just kind of getting his feedback. And then I just kind of asked him, like, did you struggle with any of this growing up? And he was just like, no. You know, he, like, I even, like, wrote down some things that we were talking about and he was like, you know, honestly, he never struggled with, like, anybody stuff until his late 20s, early 30s, and that was just like, oh, my metabolism stopped. Right. Or, like, isn't as, not stopped, but, like, isn't as fast as normal, and now I'm having to, like, work at it, because in high school, he was in, like, five different sports, and, like, always had a great body, and, like, you know, even though in South, he also was raised in South Africa, so he had uniforms, too. It was just in South Africa, where I lived, versus where he lived, he was in a much more, like, relaxed sort of like beach town and I was in a much more like conservative town and it just felt different I I'm curious so you grew up in the states and like as a woman or as a girl growing up and getting to express yourself in a normal school or whatever that normal means Mm -hmm. um do you feel like you felt that the standard for women versus men was very different like in high school and like I I think of things like um everywhere you go it's like oh girls can't wear xyz and then it's always like trying to set the standard and like guys don't have to worry about anything and like did you feel like that was an issue for you or you were aware of it or well I was in a school too that had uniforms until I was in third grade okay and then fourth and fifth grade I was in different schools no uniforms and then sixth seventh eighth grade uniforms um high school none so I went very back and forth we had Mm -hmm. them we didn't we had them we didn't and it became less about body with that and more about class like who could afford what so whether you could afford name brands or not, okay, okay, it became more focused on that than anything else because you still, even though you didn't have a uniform, you had a dress code. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you were allowed to wear short shorts or spaghetti straps and things like that. They still even the playing field. It became more about what you could afford and not. And for boys, though, still absolutely it was different. Yeah. Absolutely it was different because for boys it was more about like things like skin. Like, if a boy had really bad, like, acne when they Mm. were growing up, that was, like, a huge... And girls, too. That was a huge point of shame, but girls would wear makeup. Yeah. You know? So, boys, you got the rough end of the stick on that, you know? Sure, sure. um, But that is still part of your body image and part of your self-esteem. But... um, But boys weren't told, like, don't wear shorts at a certain thing or don't... But they also wouldn't. So it's it's that weird thing of, like, a girl, you know, we would wear something like that I don't know it's unquestionably different yeah well and I mean like to you know obviously we're going to talk about things on this podcast that are just like generic but like if we're going to bring back our history or like our upbringing I mean the shame involved in like I just remember youth groups and different 
situations where it was like always felt like the woman you know were the ones that are responsible mm-hmm. for not causing the men to lust after us or whatever that looks like and then I literally asked my husband this tonight I was like do you feel like you ever maybe not advertently but like sort of like subliminally you didn't realize it blamed women's because at first he when he I asked him like do you think this is even an issue for you do you think you blamed women for causing you to lust or something and he was like no but then when I gave him him an, an example of like well what if somebody came would you have brought a woman around a girl around to your parents that dress a certain way he was like oh yeah probably not I think that completely makes sense, though. Yeah. Completely. And I don't know what he said about it, but I think it's because it's about what they will think. Yeah. Not about what he would totally. have thought. He'd yeah. be like, she looks freaking hot. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think that, like, oh, but will my parents think, or my friends think, or my cousins, or brother, brother we'll sisters, she, whatever, she wants, think, yeah. oh, that she is, like, yeah, um, yeah. slutty. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it's yeah. like... Which is a very ultra-religious thing, but, like, it yeah. comes up in a lot of different environments. Yeah. I, I One time I was in, I was um, 20. I was 20 years old, and I was working at a law firm, and I, at that point, probably weighed, like, 118 pounds, but I've, ever since I was, like, 16 years old, um, my boobs came in yeah. <laughs> to being, and they've not stopped since, <laughs> 16 years later. Keep but, on growing. Yeah, but I was wearing a very modest outfit. So the receptionist would go to lunch, and we would fill in for her, and we would be at the front desk and take the calls and everything. And so uh, one day I was going up there, and I would shop at Kohl's. Yep. <laughs> and Kohl's. Still shop at Kohl's. Still, yeah. So you would find like one shirt in like six different colors that works yep. for work or whatever. And my boss at the time was former military and she was one of the worst bosses I've ever had in my life. She pulled me aside and she had a conversation with me about my boobs when I was 20 years old at work. When you, on days when you have to cover the front desk, you cannot wear this shirt. And the reason why is because you're showing too much skin and blah, blah, blah. And I really, I truly wasn't. You could probably see the fact that I have boobs at the very top of the shirt. There was like probably a little crack. We, you know? I feel like we've had the same upbringing. Yeah. Like, it's like the I didn't butt have, crack okay, of my I didn't boobs. have the boobs. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say like, as you were telling the story, which I haven't heard. I, what I, oh, I just this, remembered it now. No, but what I love about this podcast is like, we've been friends for a decade and I'm like, I still get to hear these stories you've never yeah. heard about. But like the same in college, I was 19 or 20 and I got a, a job. It, it, I will say it was an Assemblies of God like branch, but it was like the financial services or something. Oh, I know this story. It's and a good I, one. Yeah. And I got a job there. And basically, I, I mean, I was like, I know I was young, but I was like a hardworking like kid. Me too. I was the same. And I wore nobody. I guess I didn't even understand the expectation. This happened two different times, actually. And the first time at the financial services, I would wear these like white when I say capri, we're not like capri like by the knees. Like like there was like four or five inches from my ankle to my calf, whatever. <laughs> and they were but they were like professional pants, like white, like with the cut, like the like they were nice pants. Mm-hmm. And I would wear like the heels and like a nice top. And I got pulled in for like a like an official warning of yeah. like you can't wear this because you weren't wearing hose. Right. And I was like You didn't have your legs your l-e-g-g-s's yeah exactly the the little egg legs and and then it happened again when I was at like one other time and it's like if you know me and you had no like if you knew what I was wearing you'd be like this is ridiculous that I got reprimanded where I was wearing full pants 
full shirt, nothing immodest whatsoever, wore like little slip-on shoes, but no hose. Like you could only see the tops of my feet. And some old lady reported me (laughs) for not wearing socks or hose. And I'm like, I'm sorry if the men around me working are lusting after the tops of my feet. They need to go to hell. They deserve to go to hell. Feet tops. It's a new fetish. But like, that's ridiculous. That is hilarious. That's Um, hilarious. You lost some great workers. You really did. Because I quit. I've moved on since I I was 20. I was like, I'm done. I just went to college, but that's what happened. (laughs) It's fine. We'll just keep going down the tangent. We can get back to it. No, I think it, I don't know. I mean, it's undoubtedly different for men. Like I said, I had to explain to Josh, like how this is a thing for women when you first become aware of your body. And it's not just an awareness. It becomes like a shame mm-hmm. um, from the get-go almost. And I think that's somewhat universal. And maybe, you know, what the the Bible-believing the Bible, be- the, 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 the Bible <laughs> believing Christians would say, that your first awareness of your body um, being a shameful experience is just mirroring the Adam and Eve stories, what they would say, that that's the human condition. That because when they first yeah because when they first became aware they were ashamed so like they were aware of of their nakedness right and they hid themselves but like what okay what do you think about that now though okay you don't have kids i'm not i am gonna take a sound tangent but like what what is your perspective like what would you do differently than what how you were raised in terms of not causing you to have shame in the way that you experience i think There are certain things that, you know, you grow up and you do what your parents did because it's how they did it, or you don't do what your parents did because it's how they did it. Yeah. And I think I fall under category two a lot of the time. Um, And I think, you know, a big thing is when I do have kids one day, I even now struggle with body stuff. Like you lose weight, you put on a little weight, you lose some weight, you want to be in different shape, whatever. But I think a big thing will be for me, I don't want my children to hear me have those conversations with myself. Yeah. And, you know, part of my mom's conversation with herself was that, you know, vision board that I was able to see mm-hmm. and things like that. So I think um, I think I want my children to be able to see and emulate. Like if mommy's going to the gym, by all means, I want them to know. Yeah. But I don't want them to think I'm going to the gym because I hate myself. No, it's like associated with they were taking care of yourself because mommy's we being be, strong. Yeah, strong and healthy, and like yeah. this is how we we have one life to live, and we're gonna yeah. like. It sounds like live your best life, but like but essentially, it is like yeah, take care of yourself and not and it being very much take care of yourself and not I want to be someone different. Yes, I think that's very. very important that's the biggest thing and it's easy for me to say when I don't have kids and because once you have kids it's not like oh you're a different person we still have our same hang-ups and everything else but I think it's just being conscious about what they see yeah um, no I feel like the things come up with my kids I don't even realize it's still it's like you think it's gone you think the filter you think the certain thing the, the judgment that it's gone and then I'll look at my kid and, and it's happening more with my daughter because I am a woman and she is like, she's not quite preteen, but she's close. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's a weird thing where I don't want her to feel ashamed of something that she's so unaware of. And I, I don't want to break that spirit. And at some point, yeah, she's going to become aware of it. But like, why? Why like, does it need to be sooner than it needs to be? Yeah. I think too. I think I'll, I think I might be the master of um, spin when I have kids. I think I would be like, girl, aren't you cold? 
You look yeah, cold. Yeah. Like I've done that too. You know I've what been I mean? like you I have done that too. That I'm kind like of thing. you you got to get some it's cold outside. Like get some pants yeah. on. Yeah. Like not about because otherwise you make it about them. Yeah. And not about yeah. Whatever else it is. I no, don't know. No, that literally it's funny. I keep having examples but like last night when they went to our friends at Paris's for New Year's Eve, I told Beckett to go get ready. And when he came out, he had just shorts on. <laughs> Like, no top. He's six <laughs> years old. And he never does this, which was funny. Like, just shorts. And I was like... Did he have shoes? No, nothing. <laughs> just shorts. And I was like, you gotta... What? You gotta catch a breeze, And he was kid. like, no, I'm ready. And I was like, you have to wear a, a top. And he was like, but I like the shorts. And I was like, that's great. <laughs> but, like, a whole outfit entails you have to wear a top and shorts and, like, some shoes. So, go that's pick a hilarious. top. And he was like okay but he was like but I like the shorts that's like, hilarious <laughs> I feel like I do all, this all the time it's been so cold here lately and I'll be in the house and I'm like I'm freezing I'm cold and Josh goes Florida woman you got on a tank top and a pair of like shorts like what do you think is gonna happen you're gonna he calls me all the time Florida woman Florida, Florida woman, woman. <laughs> you're so cold and I'm like I know I don't I don't know how to be in heavy clothes not for me but yeah I can relate to Beckett on that one yeah yeah it is, it is, not to bring it back to, like, a dark side, but it is frustrating that as women we have to have these conversations because I find, I just find it frustrating. Like. It is. Like, why do we have to be concerned with, and maybe, maybe nobody in the Christian world, outside of the Christian world, thinks about this. But, like, why are we the ones that have to be concerned about men being, like, stumbling over us yeah. or lusting after us when like well I'm not concerned about that I will say I've been in multiple relationships where the man in my relationship enjoys my body but doesn't want anyone else to yeah so if I'm wearing something that looks great and he would have enjoyed if he wasn't my boyfriend husband person I was in a relationship with he would have enjoyed it from afar but now that I am with him, he doesn't want anyone else to. Mm-hmm. That has been, I have found to be extremely common across the board. Okay. Ding, ding, ding. Um, across the board with Interesting. Lo- lots of people. Okay. And on one hand, it's flattering because it's like, you do want that feeling of yeah. it's me and you. But at the same time, it's like, I feel hot in this. I feel good in this. You liked me when I was in this when I wasn't just yours. Yeah. And now... You, you now it's not okay or something. it's not that it's not okay but it's like it gets questioned yeah but yeah. I think I think what is an important thing is just raising our kids to not have the same hang-ups we had and something I will say to kind of like wrap this up yeah it said in that same article I opened with which we can link to it said that um children whose parents contributed to their negative body perceptions um, which was like one in four, mm-hmm. are twice as likely to grow up and be body positive. Really? Yes. It said that they will have, um, until they grow up and are body positive, they feel a lot more pressure and anxiety from the world about their body, and it's not good. But once they're adults, they're m- twice as likely to be more body positive after 
being and I can relate to it almost yeah. because I am thankful I don't have body dysmorphia which is an entire other episode on some level we all do yes, yeah, we, do. yeah. We, all do. we all do we all do but I pretty much look in the mirror and see what is there and I don't like rag on myself or anything else I'm like I'm fine whatever um but at the same time I part of my uh shame and everything when I was a kid and first becoming aware was related to a parent part of it was and now I am much more like girl you fine yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) that's how it should be I feel like I am in that crew to some extent that's interesting I do there are definitely like eating slash dietary issues in my family like the expectation of how we should look or be was definitely a thing um and I think that caused that caused some major issues with different family members in my family but also at the same time I think that that uh article is not inaccurate because the same people also turned into very body positive and it it, that is very interesting yeah it's yeah so it seems like we should just tell kids that they are not (laughs) that's what I was saying like should we just all like give our children issues and they'll grow up and be awesome (laughs) and they'll be fine they'll be like we'll just work out all the time and be super body positive it's fine exactly I don't know I think it's a conversation worth having and I'm glad we just did (laughs) yeah well with all of that uh obviously let us know your thoughts but um this week I picked our top three you want to hear them I do let's talk about our top three I'll try to blow through them Brittany the Pope slapped a woman (laughs) wait wait the Pope slapped a woman I need to know more. Everything about that sentence is hilarious. I, I both love it and hate it, but mostly love it. But I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So the Pope slapped a woman this week. And by that, I mean, that's. <laughs> this is not a cartoon. It. No, it's real. He slapped a woman's hands away. So this woman, he's, I think, in the Vatican. And, you know, they have like the um, thing where you can't reach over and touch or whatever. But they, she does. <laughs> she reaches over and touches. And he's like high-fiving everybody as he goes. Pope-fiving but everyone. But he slaps somebody in the meanwhile. I'm going to play the video for you. Okay. I'm going to play it on silent because this is from a news thing. But um, just watch what he does. Okay. I'm excited. <laughs> okay, guys. I'm going to talk to you. Okay, we're going to. Brittany um, is watching. Okay. Watch. She wants him to. Look at his He face. slapped his, her hand. Yeah, just watch, watch, watch. It felt like three. Oh, he and he's so like, grumpy. he's got like angry face. Yeah. She wouldn't let go. She pulls him. He. She wants to testify. And he's like, no, girl. I just want to know what he said to her. So she really needed to touch the Pope. And some people really believe in touching the Pope oh, as I if know. it's like touching Jesus, mm-hmm. like yep. touching the hems of Jesus and you can be healed and all this stuff. So what happened was the Pope is walking through with his security and everything. And this woman reaches across and sla- like tries to pull him closer to her to talk to him. And he... She wouldn't let go. So he slaps her hand and he (laughs) got in trouble, y'all. He got in trouble. Oh, he did. I was just about to ask you. I don't know anything about this. Yes. So the public was upset with him and (laughs) he was in St. Peter's Square on Tuesday. Like, take a moment. Like, I know you are the Pope. Yeah. I think it was the fact that she was like pulling him and it felt more like harassing probably. And you are human and you have like a visceral reaction. So I get that. And I think that's the thing about it is that at the end of the day, he's still human. He's not a God. He's still human. He's not a God. We don't know what she was trying to tell him, but he is trying to free himself from her grip. And it says that he briefly shouted out at her. So I don't know what he said to her, but like, do you think the Pope needs to apologize? Oh, I don't know. I just think (laughs) 
here's the thing. Like, if he came out and was like, I'm human, and in that moment, I had a sort of visceral reaction of just, like, feeling a little overwhelmed, I don't even feel like, I mean, not that he shouldn't say, like, sorry, but, like, I think that'd yeah. be okay. I, I think the thing with the Pope is it's he is basically placed next to God. And yeah. so it seems like we're not supposed to look at him as a human. But he is. He's human. And if I think about, like, hundreds of people trying to touch me, I'd be like, oh, my God. Get oh away my, yeah. from me. But... It sounds like a nightmare. His his Terrible. words were he he gave um, some remarks and he said, many times we lose our patience. I do too. And I'm sorry for yesterday's bad example. I The thing is, I don't know that it's a bad example. It was very, when you watch the video, it's almost like um, chastising a child. It's I, well, not- that's what I was just about to say. It's funny that his reaction is smacking like a little it is like a kid it reminds me of like oh if you know one of my kids was like 18 month old and like about to touch the stove and you're like oh my gosh like get your hand away yeah it's almost darling it is the more you watch it it gets cuter yeah (laughs) but it's just the funniest video ever and you know there's not like a lot of good news going on when the pope like slapping a woman where was this or i don't know st peter's square in the vatican oh what okay yeah oh my gosh fascinating anyway i had to tell you about it and you have to watch it and if you guys haven't seen it you gotta go watch this video something about it is very cute it is an angry pope yeah have you ever never have i ever never have i ever ever okay so moving on number two so I don't believe in these, and I also don't not believe in these. But Tell me what you don't believe in. <laughs> um, where do I begin? Horoscopes. Fascinating. Brittany, what's your sign? I am a Gemini, but I'm like right on the cusp. I'm like one day away from being yes. cancer or whatever. So Yeah, you yeah. are super cusp. I'm cusp I am. too. I'm Aquarius um, into Pisces cusp, but I'm okay. like three days in. So yeah. it's like a four-day thing. All right, do you want to read your own horoscope? Do you want to read it? I Sure. Either you read mine and I'll read yours. Okay, let's do that. Okay, I'll read do yours that. and then yeah, you read I'm, mine. Yeah. Okay, so Gemini's. May 21st through June uh, 20th. And you are June 20th. Spoiler alert. Very cuspy. <laughs> Super cuspy of you. Okay, so I'm going to try to read through this without pausing. It says... Whoever wrote this. Oh, and by the way, I should say this is from the Hum Nutrition website. I love Hum. (laughs) Hum is a vitamin brand and they have so many different ones and I have several of them. Not an ad. That little jingle you heard was Gilligan shaking. Guys, that's my dog. He's our third host. (laughs) He's yeah, he's our uh, sidekick. So for the Geminis, it says, I gave you the tip off in December, whoever wrote this, but it warrants a second shout out. 2020 is the year for your money to multiply. Again, don't wait. (laughs) Don't expect a windfall from a normal source. That is your salary, but instead several payouts from secondary or tertiary sources. Think freelance gigs, bonuses, and insurance payout. Ooh, insurance. Insurance I don't want to be in an accident. (laughs) I know. What? Or anyone else, you know. Uh, Even winnings from a contest or sweepstakes. Gemini's always have a pulse on new trends and opportunities, so tap into your know-it-allness to make these dollars stretch. (laughs) This one knows you, Brittany. (laughs) However, it is essential to keep your wits about you the deeper your pockets get. Channel fellow gem, Kendrick Lamar, humble, conscious, versus Kanye West, debt-fighting, ego-driven, for inspo. Great. There are also plenty of opportunities to preemptively get the ball rolling for financial wellness, whether that's simple research through reading and YouTube videos, or more active steps like opening a savings account or contributing more to your 401k. 
great. So what they're saying is money. Mm -hmm. And what they're saying is they don't know how. (laughs) But not tithing. (laughs) Not not tithing. And I love that it ends on like the lowest note ever, which is like contribute to your 401k. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) That that helps me not at all right now. (laughs) But that's a prosperous feeling. I mean, it, it does. It sounds like maybe what the hell is going to take off this year. So I'm excited. Oh, that could be it. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even mention that. Podcasting. Podcasting. I mean, side. basically, it sounded like side hustles. Side hustles. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you are Pisces. Okay. So Tiffany. Oh, you have your computer the opposite way. And I, I don't know. like it. No one does. I scroll opposite. I don't. Of my- <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> my Mac controls are backwards, y'all. She's wrong. Um, okay, wait. Okay, great. I'm adjusted. So Pisces, all work and no play makes you a fish swimming upstream. If you've been grappling with low vibing feelings of inadequacy, know that 2020, 2020, I cannot do that. That's going to be the whole thing. Keep it up. Will bring you the praise and good cheer you deserve. You finally reap the fruits of 2019's labor, whether in the form of a completed passion Project, recognition, or advancement. Regardless, Pisces must remember that they don't need external validation, though a boost from others won't hurt. Instead, try to keep in mind that you're enough in and of yourself. Self-criticism begets nothing but defeat. While self-compassion leads to supercharged social life. I don't need more of a social life. Wait, I totally read that wrong. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I skipped one more. I skipped a line. Okay. (laughs) Self-criticism begets nothing but defeat, while self-compassion leads to resilience, less stress, and even greater productivity. That's much better. Mm. Another trend to watch for this year, a supercharged social life. (laughs) (laughs) You're set to make friends and valuable connections in new places, spread your social butterfly wings more than you're used to, at niche meetups, networking events, and other settings in which you'll find new crowds. Like, do you need new friends? I'm going to go with no. (laughs) Doing so will help you foster lasting, favorable, and otherwise unexpected friendships. I can network, I guess. Like, I'll go to a networking (laughs) event, but I don't. I'm not looking for, like, speed dating friends. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is interesting. That's fine. I like the thing it said about passion projects because this is exactly what I want to focus on this year anyway. So, that's fine. They they did say form of completed passion project. Recognition. Yep. I'm down for a good horoscope. It's fascinating. I I remember in South Africa, we would have, I don't know what what it was called. So, like, you have People Magazine in the States, and it was, like, called you or something similar but it was basically the same thing and they would always have this little section of horoscopes oh yeah so i'd buy it and read all the gossip but then i also always read the horoscopes and in my mind i was like this is not real but i found it very interesting right no i had in my mind not only was it not real but it was evil oh yeah yeah (laughs) but it was like but maybe there's something to it oh totally i mean you always hope so it's like reading the fortune and a fortune cookie when you get chinese takeout it's a good time Okay. All right. So that's our horoscopes and let it be. Let it be. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Okay. And our third for the week. This one's a little bit visual, but I'm going to tell you about it anyway. Have you heard (laughs) about the resurfacing of the chair challenge via TikTok? No. Okay. All all of the things, the answer is no. No. The answer to all (laughs) of this week's top three is no. And I hope mine are the same next week um, for yours. But the chair challenge is a 
parlor trick that apparently really came up in like the 1960s and resurfaced with whatever this year like people are doing this trick so the way that it works how do people find out about this like like one person does it and everybody does it you know it's crazy i had never heard of it so i started googling and that's how i found out that it's not even new it's just coming back so there's this idea that women can do this trick and men cannot Okay, I'm down. Very interesting. <laughs> Which, like, how does that even make sense? Equality. Equality. Okay, yes. Yeah, so the chair challenge. The idea is you stand facing a wall, so you're perpendicular to it. Um, you take one foot and you put your toes against the wall. You put one foot behind that foot, and then one you step back again with the original foot behind the next foot. Then you put those feet beside each other. You lean forward and put your head against the wall. You slide a chair. Somebody slides a chair under you so your body is at like 90 degree angle against the wall you pick up the chair and then you're supposed to stand up and pick up your body pick up your body straight so you pick up that you're able to pick up the chair yep and then then you you can't pick up the apparently men cannot but women can okay mostly universally it sounds like we should be able to do that not never so we both should be able to do it however my friend who i first saw this from tiffany in florida she tried it and she could not do it and it was hilarious and i'm like well do you have something to tell me tiff because as far as i know you're a female (laughs) (laughs) but i googled it and so some people believe that it is um like a center of gravity thing that literally like the way our bodies are typically uh, constructed and men and women's bodies obviously are mostly different that it might have something to do with your center of gravity but i want to challenge you to the chair challenge it will require recording okay so all right you can't really talk this through on a podcast but i feel like we should post it on our instagram and share with the world whether or not we were able to complete the chair challenge so you're gonna have to check it out how embarrassing we look yeah (laughs) i haven't tried it yet i've watched so many of them i'm so fascinated i watched dr oz try to explain it i haven't seen any of these so this is fascinating but anyway that's my top three for this week a little bit of pope slapping a little bit of horoscopes oh my goodness a little bit of chair challenge slapping horoscope chair challenging (laughs) i call that a good week it's a good week it's a good new year yeah here we go (laughs) 